Well, welcome, everybody. It is surprise tea time. That's right. I have Wendy Robinson back from season one, all the way back from 2020. We are backing up time tonight. So for everyone who hasn't seen Wendy's tea time, you can go on to Miss Liz's YouTube channel and check that out. Her original tea time from season one is on the YouTube channel. Give that a quick subscribe and share and support that tea time because with your share, you're saving a life. Tonight's tea time will also be uh we will be talking about some hard topics so we're going to get that out there we're going to make sure that everybody is on alert that tonight's tea time is coming with some trigger warning tea time uh we'll be talking about sexual abuse we'll be talking about domestic violence as you've seen in the video and a little bit about wendy's story and where she is today since season one because it's been three long years and I am just honored to have my guests back. As you all know, I love when my guests come back and say, Miss Liz, can I come back? And absolutely, this is home for you guys. So I want to let you all know to share and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out Miss Liz's website. Uh, you'll see all the tea times listed there. And tonight we're going to just open some doors and save some lives because that's what we're going to do with Wendy's story. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Wendy's mom's story. If you've seen season one, you remember that... We talked about her mom's story and her story as well. So uh, before we get started, let's do the disclaimer and a little bit on who Wendy is. And then we'll get Wendy in here and we'll spill a good strong cup of tea with you all tonight. So the disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live Show. Miss Liz, Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith however may bring forth dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform the facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing all tea time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion the content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk it is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice if you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in tonight's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect those wishes and will see you at a later date, at a later date and time. Also, all tea times in 2023 are done on a thursday 10 3 and 7 p.m eastern standard time that's right we do three live shows on thursday but mondays and tuesdays are surprise guests and rescheduled guests so let me get wendy in here but before i get wendy in here i just want to give you a little bit on who wendy is wendy is a survivor she's an advocate an author a speaker and a mother don't forget mothers do make a difference too so i want to really get that out there and if, you're, if your mother is <clears throat> out there and you're missing your mom, call her because we do have a 
reason to be here as well. So let me get Wendy in here. Let me get a sip of coffee and let's spill some tea. And I'm not sipping on coffee. What am I doing? I have tea right here. Like, what the heck is going on with me? Coffee's in the morning, Liz. First coffee in the morning. <laughs> I think what's, what's going on, Wendy, is I'm not used to the Mondays and Tuesdays. I'm just like, okay, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. So, uh, so welcome back, Wendy. It is an honor to have you back here. And I want to really thank you for reaching out and saying, hey, Miss Liz, can I come back? Because I, I always love when my guests say that. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I've been wanting to do it for a while, but you know, life sometimes gets in the way. But don't worry about that. Coffee in the morning and tea at night to give us a relaxing, uh, relaxing mood. Well, I really want to thank you for joining me because, you know, we have to keep these stories going. We have to keep these teas going. And you asking to come back years later makes me know that I'm doing the right thing here with tea time because we got to keep it alive. We got to keep that flow going, right? We got to keep the mess. Yes, we got to keep it on the floor so that people pay attention that there's still a lot of changes that need to come. That's so, Wendy, I, Wendy, I want to start off with how I do all of my tea times this year. So who were you as a little girl and who are you now as a grown woman? As a little girl, I was quite reserved. I was very shy, believe it or not. Um, very loving child. But because of the lifestyle that I had to grow up in, I became very uh, introverted, very aggressive. Um, growing up into my teenage years, I ended up being very aggressive uh, and turning to alcohol and drugs, not more than the norm normal teenager would do in experimenting, but a lot of aggressive behavior because of that. Um, then I grew up into, I, I had my children very young, but with the praise of God, um, I knew that when I had my first child, that was a sign from God because I pulled the 360. Then I ended up having three children in a row. And I would basically say, um, having number one God, um, my children changed my life. Um, that was the biggest sign from God, um, a wake up call that I had. Then I started going to a lot of therapy and changing my life forever. And as I grew more and raised my children and got out of abusive relationships, went to therapy, then I was fully able to realize the reason why I was doing these things, why I acted the way I did as a child, why it wasn't my fault, why I acted the way I did and chose and allowed certain relationships and men come into my life. And then finally, after years of therapy and through life experience, now I can fully be uh, more authentic to myself for who I am and stand up for myself and not accept what I accepted before. So now I've come back to the loving Wendy, the calming Wendy, the person who I was when I was a very young child. I'm, I was able to be, but only through all of the hardships and the life experiences that I that I lived, right? Well, and that's why I always like to get to know the guests as they were little to who they are now, because a lot of what we do when we get adults has to reflect on how our childhood was. You know, why do we become authors? Why do we become advocates? Why do we become a voice? Because we actually lived it when we were a child and we're like, as an adult, no more, you know, and then when we have our own children, we're like, no, this is not happening. You know, I'm going to be that voice. I'm going to be that one that breaks that, that, uh, you know, that cycle. The cycle, correct. So, and Wendy, I want to get a little bit into your mom's book before we get into your book. So, sure. I know you have your mom's book there, and I have your mom's book here as well. Yes. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about your mom's book again for the viewers that might have not seen season one? Of course, Marriage of Deceit is is a book that my mother um, wanted to write for over thirty years. She only wrote the book once my father passed away because she was too afraid that he would kill her if she wrote about something while he was living. Um, the intensity in the book of um, how my dad was, my dad uh, was a bigamist, my dad was very violent. And, you know, a lot of the times people would say, well, you know, he must have been on drugs or he must have been on alcohol. He was just, in my point, in my opinion, he was just pure evil. My father never took any drugs except maybe Valium to calm him down, but that did not help. Uh, my father had legal guns in the house that he would point to my mother's head 
on a daily basis. So my mother um, felt the need um, after 30 years when my dad finally passed away to write of the abuse because it was a story that was completely unbelievable. And the fact that my mother survived still to this day that she's alive is basically a miracle. So she wanted to help as many people as she could with a story like this because back in the day when, you know, in the 50s and, and the 60s, there were no shelters, there was no help. I mean, there, you just took the abuse and it was just seemed to be the norm. And, you know, the main goal was to get married and have children. And you were an embarrassment if you didn't. So my mother wanted to write this book um, to help as many people as she can, um, you know, to let them know the, the signs of abuse and, you know, basically live through the story. So once my mom decided to do that, um, it was funny because at a young age of nine years old, I knew that I was going to tell my story. I just knew that I was going to tell my story out of all the days that I used to sit by the river and, and talk to God by myself. I knew that I had to get this story out. So after I helped my mother um, get her book out, I was uh, able to, um, I helped her get the book out in 2020. And then I knew I was going to write my story. So my mother had her reasons for writing her story to, you know, to help people. But my book for Through My Eyes, um, it's exactly what the cover is exactly what is in the book. A lot of people see the parents, you know, they 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 read books of domestic abuse about the husbands battering them, them, even sometimes, you know, the wives are battering, but they don't get to see the version of the child. When the child runs out of the house, when the child is crying at night, the parents think that because the child is asleep, the parents think because the child ran out of the house that the child is saved. The child is not saved and the child goes through so many things that the parent doesn't even know that I needed to write a book to show my side of the story. So Wendy, growing up, I, I have a question for you. Was, was your mom the type of mom that said, I have to stay together to keep my family together, you know, so the kids are happy. You know, we have to play the happy home. Because a lot of us, I know myself as well, as a woman from domestic violence, is I always said, well, I have to keep my family together for my kids. My kids need a mom and a dad. Doesn't matter what daddy's doing to mommy. We just got to keep the family together. Was your mom like that, Wendy? She was like that in the beginning, yes, but she was just so afraid of my father um, that she she just normalized it afterwards. Um, she, but yes, I would have to say that, yes, she was exactly like that in the beginning, yes. So, Wendy, growing up like that, did you find yourself falling into those types of men? Um, I did. I had a long, a, a very long relationship with my children's father for 20 years. It, um, there was, there was a little bit of abuse. Um, I'd have to admit on both sides. I mean, it takes two to tango in a relationship, but I learned very, very quickly after a couple of years that I did not want to relive. I needed to break the cycle of what I lived at home. And uh, I realized as a mother, I know it, I've been in the relationship, I've lived it. But if you stay in that type of relationship, number one, you're showing your daughters how to be treated by men. Number two, you're showing your boys how to treat a woman. So you have a duty, no matter how scared you are, or no matter you have a duty as a parent to break that cycle. I'm not saying, you know, every, a lot of people cannot. That's why if everybody could, there would be no murders, there would be no suicides. But I, I knew that I was, uh, I would have to do that. And I was strong enough and I was able to do that. So after I, I broke that cycle, then um, I was able to go to therapy and I was able to see. So the next relationships that would come, I would tolerate less. Yes, I would still meet. You know, you have to meet a couple of frogs before you meet your, you know, your, what do they say? A um, couple of frogs prince before charming. you meet your prince, your prince charming. <laughs> um, I, you know, just like everybody else, I, we, we've met frogs, but I've learned to tolerate less. So I get, I'm the type of woman that I can see it coming a mile away because I've lived it. So I will go on instead of dating, say six months, it'll be like, three weeks like so I'm learning you know learning learning and I mean there are still great men and great women out there it's just you know you have to be very selective well and it's true right when you're raised in it you know what the red flags are but sometimes mm -hmm. those red flags that prince charming is really good and he comes yes. and honeymoons and then all of a sudden wham bam here we go down the same path again right so yeah. you know even kissing a few frogs along the way, it actually gives you a part of your story as well. Because the next frog that you kiss, you you less you tolerate less, right? 
it less is and, and less and less but it's not easy because then it's hard because then you can turn out the opposite way right you can turn out very cold you can turn out not to be loving you can turn out so there has to be a happy medium and still to this day at 50 years old i still find it very difficult but there it's i'm very hopeful but i still find it very difficult it's it's a daily struggle with anything in life right anything right and I like that you brought that up, Wendy, about the boys and the girls, right? Because when we stay, we're actually teaching our children what, what is accepted. And then right. the pattern continues, right? The cycle continues. And as a mom and, and having a son and daughters, we have to be that example and say, you know what? We're scared, but we got to just move. We just got to get out of this. Yeah. So there's something in the back of your mom's book that I would like you to read. It's the top. I just want you to read it out from your, from your voice. Uh, the first two lines. Daddy, daddy, just kill me were the words that came out of Wayne's mouth. Do you want to tell us what that means? Yes. So my brother Wayne, I, I grew up with four brothers. Um, while my dad, while the abuse was going on, I actually had three brothers. I had my oldest brother was Mark, Sean, and then Wayne. And then there was myself. My brother Keith was not born yet. He was born um, later on. But during, during this time he was not born so wayne was the one who got into the most trouble um you'll read in the book i won't spoil it but my brother wayne got shot by the police when he was 17 years old he was into a lot of crime he stole cars he did b e's broken entries credit card theft which he learned from my dad um so he was into fast money from the time he was young so he got the beatings the most in the family and i came to a point where there was one day that um, my father, it was a usual, he would, uh, my mother would, uh, it would be around supper time. My, my dad would not like the meal or I'm not sure. And whatever triggered him, he would flip over the kitchen table and then drag my mother across by her hair with a gun pointed to her head, tell her to clean it up. And at one point, um, my brother Wayne was giving trouble. So, uh, my my father had gone into uh, the room where he was or chased him in the room. But I remember because every time this used to happen in the house what i used to do was run to a corner of the house and then i would listen to see how how it would transpire to see if i would need to leave the house or not so i would always wait and then if it got if it really escalated i would take off and sleep at a friend's house so this was a daily for me i was living in fear daily so at one point he he put the gun to my brother's head and my my brother couldn't take it anymore because he was every day he would smash his head against the wall tell him to go to the grocery store and my brother was very lippy very melty he would tell him to f off do it yourself call him fat boy whatever he like he was wayne was very very lippy so at this point he couldn't take it so he yelled out just kill me he said just kill me i can't take it anymore and it was so heartbreaking. My brother was at that point when he did that, I think he was maybe nine or 10 years old. Wow. Yeah. And then my dad just pushed him away. And then after I ran out the house, but that, that sentence was from that time when he did that to my brother. The reason that I got you to read that is because I want people to know the impact of these books. Uh, you know, these stories get pushed down at the bottom of the books out there. We need to really start raising these books to the top. We really need to start getting these stories out there, real life stories, real trauma, real, real survivors stories out there, you know? Um, and when I read the back of your mom's book, when I got the book in season one was, whoa, this was intense. And there was something I believe in season one, if I remember right, Wendy, where there was the police that were involved for a hostage situation. Yes, there was there was a lot of times where the police were involved with with my dad, but um, at one point um, the hostage situation was when um, I had had a fight. This was the last straw, as they call it, uh, before we went to the shelter. How my mother finally left my dad. So what happened was I was in a fist fight, which was quite regular. I was about um, I think I was about um, nine years old in grade four. Um, there was a girl at the park. Uh, she had pissed me off. So I went to, I, I beat her up at the park Then her sister chased me home. And um, I ran up the stairs and then she kept ringing the doorbell. And then um, she wouldn't stop ringing the doorbell. She was screaming at the door that she wanted to fight me. And then my two-year-old brother, Keith, who was just born, 
um, was screaming and screaming. And my father was like, control that kid, control that kid. He wouldn't stop screaming. So my dad ended up kicking my brother in the room. Now you have to imagine my dad is 350 pounds, six foot four. My brother Keith is two years old. So maybe he's 30 pounds, uh, you know, I give or take. And um, he threw him on the ground and he started kicking him in the ribs. So that's when my mother finally lost it. She never hit my father because she was too afraid of him, but she slapped him across the face. So at that point, my father dragged my mother. I ran out the house because I heard the arguing. So I ran out the back doors. I usually did. And uh, I was looking because I heard my mother screaming. Like you, I heard a high pitched scream, like the whole street could hear the scream. So when I look, because I usually run, run, ran across the street to my neighbor's house and had them call the police. But when I heard my mother screaming, it sounded like she was outside. So I looked and my father had my mother on the third story balcony, hanging upside down by her feet, threatening to drop her from the balcony because she slapped him in the face. So we called the police. We ended up going to the shelter, but my dad had kept my brother in the house. At that time, when you were on welfare, back in the... I guess I'd say early 80s, if I was nine years old, late 70s, early 80s. Um, and you're both on welfare in the house You and you cannot just take the child out of the house. She wasn't allowed. And then when the police came back to check the situation, um, when we were gone to the shelter, my brother was happy because my father was giving him food. So he wasn't crying. So when the police went in, there was nobody in danger. So it took, took almost, it uh, took almost three to, I think three to five months to get my brother to come to the shelter with us because he, they couldn't prove that he was abusing my brother. So it was very manipulative. So that was the hostage situation. He kind of took my brother hostage at that point for that amount of time. And when we got him back, he was so slim, like he wasn't being fed properly. It was so, it was heartbreaking. But that's what they do, Wendy, right? Is they they switch it, right? It, what the yes. person who's abusing the child, when yes. the when the other survivor leaves, like when the wife leaves or the husband leaves, because there are yes. men that are getting abused as well. I want to put yes. that out there. Mm -hmm. the The spouse turns and flips into this Mister Nice Guy or Mrs. Nice Guy and Miss Nice Woman. You know what I mean? They, they yes. switch these roles. From yeah. monster to nice person. So people don't believe the stories. People question, well, like, he couldn't have been that bad. She couldn't have been that bad. You mm -hmm. know, because they do, they do this Jekyll and Hyde thing. And unless right. you live it, you can't really understand it. And for the listeners and viewers out there, um, you know, there's so many stories that are hidden right now. Right at this moment, there's somebody that is being abused. There is someone fighting for their life. This is why we're having this tea time tonight, me and Wendy. We're doing this so we can save a life. We can give that voice because that's what Wendy does. Wendy's an advocate. I'm an advocate. And we want the voices heard. But because of the way the justice system works, I want to talk about justice system with you, Wendy, because we have lived it. How do you mm -hmm. feel about the justice system? I don't find that they're quick enough. Um the justice system, I mean, right now I've moved, I have a new chapter in my life and I live in Ontario, so I can only speak for the justice system in Quebec. Um, so that's what I'll speak on now. The justice system in Quebec, I don't find they move fast enough. Um, the reason, there's a couple of reasons why they don't move fast enough. First of all, um, you have to have proof. They'll give you um, a restraining order to put on your husband, but a restraining order means nothing because if somebody wants to come in, they kick down the door. You have to have matters. Unfortunately, um, some of the times I wish that we would have the legal rights that they do in the, in, in the USA to carry a gun and to carry weapon and to carry pepper spray. Um, you know, it's illegal to carry pepper spray in Montreal, but you can carry bear spray, which a lot of people don't know. And I'm glad I can put that out there now, because if you are afraid of anybody, bear spray is actually very good to have. It shoots much further than pepper spray and it's legal. Yes, you're not allowed to spray somebody with it, but you can have it stating that you can go, you know, if you're going on camping, but at least it's legal. It's something that you're able to have in Canada. So the, the, the justice system also uh, doesn't take a lot of the um, domestic violence seriously because of the fact that the uh, um, the victims go back. So when you go back one, two, three, four, five times and drop the charges, you know they they don't they don't believe you. But there is one good thing in Quebec that they did do now, which I only realized a couple of years ago because friend of a friend was in a situation 
they do not let the woman or the man drop the charges anymore. That's, that's one good thing. They don't let them do that. So that's a positive thing I'm very happy about. But it's just, it's hard because you have no choice sometimes to take matters into your own hands because they're not there quick enough, right? Yeah. If they were there quick enough, like if it was a fire with domestic abuse dispute, I would be happy. But unfortunately, it's not the case. It's it's really not the case. And it's it's, you know, it's disturbing sometimes and it's heartbreaking. And the reason that I asked that question, and, and for the viewers and listeners out there and the services that are tuning in, there's broken systems. We need to fix the broken systems by listening to the survivors. They're the ones living it. They're the ones that understand what how much their life is in danger. When we say we're in danger, don't question it. Just say, okay, you know what? Let's go. Uh, you know, but because of so many people making fraudulent uh accusations and charges and all of that that's why they don't take us serious because there's a lot of wolf callers out there as well that will just to just to get out of a relationship they'll they'll say there's domestic violence they'll say that there's abuse and there isn't so then the ones that actually live it get pushed to the bottom again mm -hmm. you see the you see the pattern here wendy we're getting pushed yes. to the bottom all the time even with the abusers we're getting pushed to the ground they don't want us rising and for everyone that has seen me post about Wendy's Tea Time coming, you'll hear the song Rise Up because that's what we've done is we've rise, risen up. We keep rising and survivors keep rising. No matter how much you put us down in the bottom, we're going to rise. And tonight's Tea Time is going to rise. It's going to save a life. So I want to get into your book now, Wendy. Yeah. But I want to get, I want to pick through your book because there's some chapters that really triggered me a lot and i and i was preparing myself for this tea time because i knew i would be triggered as well being a survivor as well but i know that we need to sometimes be triggered in order to help another mm -hmm. so i want to get into your book how you pick the title through my eyes i want to do that first how did you pick that title Perfect. Through my eyes, I actually knew, like I had mentioned to you, because there were a lot of nights. I, I was on the street since I was about four years old. I had a lot of friends. I made sure that I had a lot of friends. I was a street kid. I was extremely, I was into sports a lot my whole life. I was into sports. So I made sure that the minute there was an argument going on in my house, I know that I would have a safe place to go. So starting from the age of four, I collected friends. I collected friends from all different ethnic backgrounds. And the older I got, the more friends I had. So just say like, if you're teenagers, I would have a group of uh, my skateboarding friends. Then I would have my preppy friends. Then I would have uh, my friends, I would go to, like, I would have all different groups of friends. So if one wasn't available, I would call on the other to make sure I had a safe place to go when that happened. So through my eyes, when I was young, I, um, I knew I, I would spend a lot of time at the river. I loved weeping willow trees. I would just sit there by the water that would give me calmness. And I thought about the name and through my eyes came to me very quickly because that's exactly what it is. I want everybody to read the story and it's through my eyes. It's what I've lived. So how old were you when you started to want to share your story, Wendy? Nine years old. So, and how old were yes. you when you wrote this book? Um, I wrote it in 2020. So it was three years ago. So I was 47 and it took me between six and eight months to write the whole book. So Wendy, I want to do the same as what I did with your mom's book, but I want to get you to read the whole back of the book, not your little bio, but the, the top part of your book. I yes. want the, view, the viewers and listeners to hear your voice. Okay. A slam of the door, the cocking of his gun, and a cry for help that no one would hear. This man who called himself my father was pure evil, evidently straight from hell. The reality of our life and the only way to live it was in survival mode. I knew he never wanted us. It showed in his abuse, his threats, and his constant insults. Why didn't he just leave? Actions always speak louder than words, and the seldom sweet words he used. I, I apologize. And the seldom sweet words he used to sneak his way back in the home after he was released from jail were disturbing. My father made everyone's life a living hell, which has scarred us all to this very day. Any type of domestic abuse has long lasting, if not permanent negative effects on oneself. Even if we don't realize it, it is something that should be taken very seriously. 
getting help and speaking out has tremendous positive effects on recovery. Through my eyes will reveal the secrets which were suppressed for many years, the sad facts about what really went on behind closed doors, and the testimony of the life we lived. Thank you so much for sharing that, Wendy. Uh, I want to get the phrase behind closed doors. What does it mean to you, Wendy? Closed doors to me means sadness. It means no hope. It means nobody can hear you. It means nobody cares. For all the viewers and listeners out there, I know that some of you are sending in questions. I really want to just focus on tonight's conversation. Uh, I do see you and I do appreciate the highs and, and, and support and all that. But I really want to focus on getting this story out tonight. I want to help Wendy and her mom get this voice out tonight. So if you're listening and you know someone who might be in a domestic violence situation, please share this tea time with them. Show them that there is hope. Show them that there, it is possible. They can save their lives. They can get out. There are shelters. There are resources out there. There are services out there, you know. And if you're on a waiting list, keep reaching out to different services. Keep reaching out to other people because we really need to stop keeping the door closed. The reason why I asked you what doors closed means because that's exactly how we feel. No one cares. The door is closed. It doesn't matter what's on that door behind that door nobody's listening so we need to start opening that door and tonight that's what i want to do is i want to push this tea time out i want everyone to share this tea time if you're working in a service with domestic violence share this tea time with your group if you need wendy to come and speak and share her books with your group and that come and reach out to us you know we really need to start focusing on getting these doors open we need to really start making differences with our lives. And this is what this podcast is here for, is to open and save a life. This tea time is not here just to have a conversation. It is to open doors and make a difference. If you check out Miss Liz's platform, it says making a difference. And this is how we make a difference, by hearing people's stories, by hearing why they do what they do. So, Wendy, I read something at the beginning of the book about how you felt about your mom. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the mom's relationship, how you felt as a little girl growing up in this situation. Yes. How you, did you guys have a close relationship? In the beginning, I had a very close relationship with my mother. Um, as time went on um, as a child and I started noticing that she wasn't doing like about six, seven, eight years old, that she wasn't doing anything in my view. Um, always taking my dad back and always, you know, having him come back. There were times that he was in jail and I was forced to write letters, welcome home when I never wanted him home. Um, and then she wasn't listening to me. Um, I started to um, rebel against my mother. And the older I got, the more that I started rebelling against my mother because I was very, very angry that she never left my dad. So the older that I got, the more, unfortunately, I started to rebel against her. So, Wendy, I want you to turn to page six on your book. And then I want you to read the last paragraph on page six. Despite what you may have read in the first book, I can't really blame my mother. young understand what she went through i'm going to get you to do it again because for some reason you popped off and popped in so i'm not sure what happened there oh okay despite what you may have read in the first book i cannot blame my mother as she was young and in love anyone who was once young and in love can understand what she went through With you realizing that, what you putting that in your book is at the beginning of the book, you're stating, okay, mom, I got it. You were in love, but still it wasn't fair for us kids growing up. Yes. You I know? understand. I understand it now because I went through the therapy and I understand what you went through. But this, but this, I wrote that only because I understand that now as an adult and having gone through everything that I did and the therapy, but back then, absolutely, that was not the case. 
and and that's the thing right because our my children will even say mom you could have left at any time you you weren't doing it for us you were doing it for you and you know sometimes we have to look back and say maybe i was maybe i wanted to save my marriage maybe i wanted to you know we have to really look within and try and understand the situation right and yeah. i wanted you to read that because i want a lot of the viewers out there to understand that sometimes us moms we don't make the best choices you know, we're, we're young and in love and we do stupid things and we just think, oh, well, we can fix them, right? We can fit and we can fix the broken. We're the, the nurturers, right? We want to fix everything. So, Wendy, I want you to turn to page 11 and I want you to read what's on page 11. So this is a quote by Charles Bukowski. It states, too often, the only escape is sleep. Now, do you want to explain that quote? I do. Um, because of all the hardships that I was going through, there were times in my young age, between the ages of, I'd have to say, after I was molested by my brother, um, the ages between, I'd say about nine to 13, I actually um, contemplated um, suicide because nobody, I didn't think nobody would listen to me. I didn't, never did anything to hurt myself at all, ever. I just engulfed, engulfed myself in sports, but there were times where I contemplated it. And then when I contemplated it, I was getting depressed. And then all I would do was just sleep. The reason that I got you to read that is because I'm going to get you to jump to page 45 now. Yes. And I want you to read what's on page 45. It's another quote um, by Shahida Arabi. A child that is being abused by its parents doesn't stop loving its parents. It stops loving itself. So what does that quote mean to you? So that means because of the fact that I was being abused by my, by my dad, yes, I hated my dad, but in reality, um, I hated myself because you blame yourself at some point. I I did I never directly blamed myself for that, but in the end it's like you you stop loving yourself and you see it in ways by you don't necessarily have to harm yourself by love by stop loving yourself. It's the way that you take care of yourself. It's what you allow in your life later on. It's it's your you know eating habits what you accept. Um there's a lot of different ways that you cannot love yourself besides the evidence of showing depression or harming yourself. There's a lot of different ways. And as a young child, um, that's that's what I experienced. And as um, an adult, an early young adult, I noticed that. So I thought that that quote was quite, um, it was pretty perfect for the book. I really like that you have these quotes. And the reason why I'm getting you to read the quotes is because I want people to go buy the book. I'm not <laughs> gonna get you to read the chapters. I'm not gonna get you to read all the, I want people to go out and get the book. So if anybody wants to grab a book, you can get the book straight from Wendy. Um, you'll see it in the description and you'll see it in the on the screen as we're doing tonight's broadcast, her Facebook. You can reach out directly to her and you can get your copy. And you can actually connect with Wendy. The reason that we're doing it that way is because we really want to just get this book out. We really want to get these stories out. But I want to get into the abuse because there was domestic abuse, but there wasn't only domestic abuse in your life. There was sexual yeah. abuse. Yes. So, and that's still a taboo out there. We're not speaking enough about sexual abuse, children being abused. So can you share a little bit on that for us? I can. My book, um, I had, I contemplated a lot with my book on how I was going to mention the sexual abuse, because for any author, you have to be very careful for the way that you mentioned it, especially if it's a family member, you have to reach out to law, you know, to lawyers just to make sure, you know, can he sue me or she sue me or what's happening or what am I allowed to say or not say. So, um, I, at one point for therapeutic reasons, I actually went into quite detailed information on what happened with the abuse, but then I erased it and I had to ask myself, what is the point of you writing this, right? Like, do you want to shame um, your, the family member or what is the point to, of really reading this? So when, and then I had changed my view on, uh, on, on it and it was just more the fact to, let everybody know that you know this happens way too often 
um, sexual abuse within a family member. In my case, um, you can't really, if you read the book, you will understand who it is. I'm not going to give away who it is. It is a family member. It's not my father. It was not my father. Um, but for the reasons of that, it's it's just too too taboo. It's like people will think it's it's normal. They'll be like, oh yeah, you know what happened back in the day? It happens to every family. It's just that's just the way it is. But it's not just the way it is. You know, your brother or your father, or your uncle, they should not be touching your private parts. They should not be kissing you. They should not be acting like your boyfriend. You know, that's not love. That's not what love is and you know when you're young and, well, and, and, you're, it really, and it oh i think she's frozen it are you there yeah i'm here yep <laughs> yeah Can you froze hear? for a second oh okay uh, i'm not <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah techn technical issues right but we're, that's not going <laughs> to stop us we're still going to continue on um so wendy it is taboo in the family you know, we, we, we express stranger danger to the world, to society, to the community, but we don't express family danger, you know, brothers, uncles, cousins, we don't talk about that. It's taboo incest. It happens all the time. It's happening mm -hmm. in today's world. You know, uh, again, Wendy, your story really resonated with me when you came on season one, I was triggered. Tonight I'm triggered, but you know what? It, triggers are good because triggers need to come forward. I was a child that was incest as well, and they do not talk about it enough. They do not speak about it in schools. They do not bring any awareness of incest. They bring stranger danger, but they don't bring family danger. Yeah. And I really think that we really need to start changing the way that we look at things. You know, it's like yeah, for sure. And and the issue was was that. The problem that I had, Liz, was that even writing this book, to be honest, my mother didn't want me to put that in the book. So in the beginning of the book, and because, and I, the reason why was that she felt that it would shame her as a mother because of what happened. And it didn't, it, it had nothing to do with my mother because once she found out, oh, believe me, like all hell broke loose, but she absolutely did not want me to put in the book, but this is my story. And I needed to put in the book what happened to me. Because if you do not break the silence, it's not, it's, it's, it's gonna continue. You have to absolutely, and that's where it gets a little bit difficult because if the family members, if it's a father or a mother doing it to you, who they're they're supposed to be the ones that you trust. Who are you gonna go to? Right. So it's really hard. The children have to have some type of resources. They have to speak to their friends, their teachers, their coaches. And that's why I always emphasize so loud to speak to anybody. It doesn't matter. Somebody at the grocery store, like somebody will listen to you, but you have to speak. The more you speak, you have to be vocal and speak about it. It's the only way that you're going to get any help is if you talk about it. And there will be somebody there to listen. There always is, but you have to open up your mouth and speak and find the courage within to do it. If it's anger, whatever it is, most probably, you know, everybody has those times where they're scared, but People have their snapping points where they're angry. So try and find that anger to be able to speak about or that bravery or something that's in all of us to be able to talk about it, right? So it was pretty difficult. My mother didn't want me to write that. She actually cried when she first read my book. I told her that I was writing about it. And then she was actually very happy that I was, you know, and because it gave her an awareness too. She said, I never knew that you went through all that, Wendy. I thought because you ran out of the house, you were safe. But I told her, mom, I didn't want to be in the house. I never wanted to be there. And I was, it traumatized my whole life because of that. So it actually was, you know, it was for my mother, it was an eye-opening experience too on how her child felt. She never knew, right? I never meant to harm my mother in any way by, by writing this book. I just needed to tell my story to educate others and give them hope and show them that there is a life after abuse there definitely is 100% a light at that end, end of the tunnel. Well, and that's the thing as moms, we don't, we, we seem to want to hide a lot, right? We only want parts, just half a story out, but we can't heal on half a story. We have to tell the whole story. And sometimes we have to write the hard stuff 
You should have yeah. just treated us nicer and you would have got a nicer story, but it didn't happen that way. And that was your story, Wendy, to tell. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you put it in the book because we really need awareness on incest. Um, we don't even hear the word anymore. You know, I'm, people don't even say it. It's that, know. you know, there's no shushing. Like it happens every day, guys, right now at this moment, you know, we really got to get serious about abuse. It's not just when a movie comes out or just when a book is written or when a story, you know, or a speaker comes to the stage. It's happening every day. I you want my viewers and listeners to understand that. Like it's mm -hmm. every day, right, Wendy? It really is. And what I'm finding more and more, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're finding the same thing, but I find that a lot of people are normalizing it. Like, oh yeah, it happened to me. And, 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 you know, especially I find a lot of male figures. Oh, it happened to me. It's just the way it was. Yes, my aunt did it back then. And, and uh, you know, they did it in the family or a lot of Caribbean families. Oh, yes, like my aunt or the family. Uh, and it was it's just like a normal thing. And, and then you grow up and you're in these trauma bonding relationships. And, and then it's like you, you realize that, you know, your partner is not emotionally available. And it's like, why? Why? You know, and then when you try and dig and, there, you know, it's. It's a vicious cycle that hopefully can be broken. Right. And, and, and this is what we really need to do is stop normalizing yeah. trauma, stop normalizing abuse, you know, and your story matters. Everyone's story matters. Everyone goes through something similar, but not the same pain. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a story out there. Everyone can make a difference when we start using our voices for a change, not to come and attack because a lot of people will say, oh, well, you wrote your story just to hurt this person or you wrote your story to hurt that person. Or, you know, a lot of people don't write stories to hurt people. They actually write to heal. Is that what you did, Wendy? 100%. That's what I did. And I have a lot when I had sold so, like for the I had moved, like I mentioned, now I'm on a new journey. I'm in Ontario now. But with um, Le Parado, the shelter that I was supporting in Montreal, I say I have raised over $10,000 for them. But I possibly could have raised an extra easy five to eight thousand dollars more. But I had a lot of people come to me and say, I can't buy the book, it's too triggering. I can't but because they haven't healed in their trauma, right? I support you, but I can't I can't buy the book. So it's there's still a lot of people who who have not healed, you know, and it's it breaks my heart. But there's so many people who've read my book uh, on Facebook, the name of the book through my eyes and marriage of deceit. I have a Facebook page just for the books. And you can look, go on there and see all the reviews. I've had people who wanted to call me and have conversations and tell them how much I've helped them and gave them the courage to leave their partner or to tell this or to speak to their child or to go to therapy. So just just one life. Like my goal was just to help one person and um, and help the shelter as well. You know, the main goal for these two books, the long, like the, the, the goal that I wanted, the end result was to have these two books made into movies so they can be on a larger scale that we're able to help the women's shelter. Right now I'm, um, I'm eating a safe haven. It's one, it's the oldest shelter in Canada, women's shelter and homeless shelter in Canada. So I am, um, raising money for them since I'm now in Ontario, but that's always been the main goal to get it on a larger scale. So I'm able to help more people. And I, I don't make, I don't make money from the books, like from the ebooks, like uh, the way I have to print the books. It's not, it's not about that. It never was. Uh, I, I mean, the amount of books that I've donated and give away, it's just to be able to help someone like the, the job. I'm still in transportation. I work for Mazda Canada customer service, helping people that that's my nature. That's who I am. I'll do that for the rest of my life. Well, Wendy, and that's the thing, right? People that think that people get rich writing books, you don't write a book and you'll see for yourself. You do not make money writing books. You, yeah. There's so just much that you have to invest. Yeah, just to publish it costs thousands. So no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But it's so liberating to be able to tell your story and to be able to be heard. Right. It's it's like nothing else in this world. So. V. Bruce, I'll, I'll share your comment if you're okay with sharing it. I won't put it up until you tell me that you're okay. Just put okay in the comment section, and then I will share the comment that you put about your uncle. But if you're not okay, I will not put it up. 
uh, I do want to respect anybody that is out there that is a survivor of any any form of abuse out there. Um, and I really want to thank the viewers and listeners for tuning in tonight and, you know, just giving the feedback and saying, you know what, Miss Liz, keep pushing, keep pushing. When my, get, when my viewers tell me to keep pushing is because they know that I'm going to dig deep and I'm going to go raw and that. So I'm just going to share what V. Bruce has, has shared here in the comment section uh, with you, Wendy. He wrote, I had an uncle that tried to abuse me. After abusing my sister, he said, "To be, I'll be the daddy, you be the mommy. And he said, thank God I said no. You know, there's so much sickness in family that we do not speak about. You know, there is so many broken families out there that hide in the shame. And because of society saying, you know what, it's your family member, just let it go. You know, it's just your uncle. It's just your cousin. They were mm -hmm. just being friendly with you. They mm -hmm. just wanted to give you mm -hmm. love. Yep. You know, um, yep. that's how we love in this house. Uh, you know, there's so many of those oh, things yeah. out there. And that, and I really want to thank you, Wendy, for bringing your story to the table and, you know, and still saying, hear my story, hear my voice, you know, um, Wendy, I want to, I want to do a little wrap up with you and I want to lighten it up before we close it, because we have talked about a lot of heavy stuff tonight. So Perfect. we're going to get into a little bit, but before we wrap up, I just want you to read what's on 186. Right. 186 is another quote from uh, Buddha. You can only lose what you cling to. Now, do you want to share a little bit about that quote? You can only lose what you cling to means that if you constantly reminisce on the bad on on the negative then you will stay in the negative so if you can find a way to not think about that and focus on the positive in your life you will see a dramatic change because there is change to come but you cannot if you keep clinging to that past and using it i'm, I'm not saying as an excuse but a lot of the times you know when you're in in uh, traumatic relationships you will come go into other relationships but it could even be anything it doesn't have to be um, uh, with a partner it could be work it could be anything you're always still triggered or you're always you're holding on to your past so if you don't get if you keep holding on to your past forever and you don't get therapy and help you'll always live in the past you won't be able to live a happy life so you have to try and find a way to not cling to that past and to try and move on in life that's what it means and I wanted to wrap up your tea time like that, just this section, but we're not done yet. We still have a few minutes left. So now we're going to lighten it up a little bit for the viewers and listeners out there because Miss Liz doesn't like her guests leaving when they're heavy and when we've talked about heavy stuff. So I'm going to lighten it up a little bit. So Wendy, if I give you the letters T-E-A, what three words would you give me tonight? T-E-A. So T for me is tranquility. I find in my life now I need tranquility, whether it be with my job, with my personal relationships, with my family, with my children. Tranquility is number one. And I, I need tranquility in my life. E for me would be energy. So positive energy. Again, that's what I like to express and exhume uh, is positive energy out into the world. Out to, I, I'm not a pessimist. Um, and A would be um, to always have hope. As long as you're breathing, you should always have hope. Um, we can always learn. We get up every morning. God gives us breath in our lungs. Every day can be a new day. Every day is what you make it to be. So if you wake up and you're like, oh, my back hurts and oh, smells in this house, that's how your day is going to go. Even if you don't think it, even if it smells in the house and your back hurts, if you turn around and you say, oh, you know, it's a beautiful day today. I'm alive. I'm well. If you put that out into the universe, you will see positive things happen. It's hard, but you will, you definitely will manifest positive energy. I like that you said that, Wendy, because what we put on the, in the universe does happen. 100%. You know? 100%. <laughs> 
hundred percent. So you might wake up with that stiffness in the back, but if you say, is it going to be a beautiful day? You're going to still have that stiffness in the back, but you're going to have a beautiful day. You will. You will. So Wendy, I want to get into your favorite color. So what is your favorite color? My favorite color since I was a young child has always been blue and um, different shades of blue, but more or less, sometimes I like the royal blue and sometimes I like the pale blue. And the reason why is I had to think about it for when you had asked me earlier, I had to think about it, but then it came very quickly to me. It's because it reminds me of the water and my favorite place to be is by the ocean and the water. So if you ever see me, in, I mean, you're on my personal page, you will know when I travel, you will like, and even when I'm going for walks, you will notice that I always put that it's the best place for me to be because living as a child, that's where I used to be for my safe place. It was by the water and it has resonated and stayed with me up to this day and probably will for the rest of my life. It's very calming. I'm a swimmer. I'm a very strong swimmer too. So that helps. Um, but um it's but it's blue for the water. I kind of figured it would have been blue because you were a swimmer. I was like, she's gonna go for water. She's got something to do with the water. I was just like, so Wendy, I also asked you to give me one word to describe yourself as an individual, and you gave me energetic. Mm -hmm. so energetic. I, I just wanted to finish on, on the blue in the water and the and the um oh swimming. Hold on, I lost my train of thought now. Um, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought, but and we'll go back there. Energetic is because I just I just find that every day I wake up like I'm a ball of energy. If you speak to any one of my friends, they will say Wendy, even when she was young, even though I used to get in trouble, I was like the person to go to. You want to have fun, go see Wendy. You want to get in trouble, go see Wendy. You want to have a good party, go see Wendy. I was very outgoing, always loud, outgoing. And it wasn't for it wasn't to get attention. It was just, that was my character and that will always be my character. So it's either you love me or you don't, you take me as I am and, and that's it. <laughs> I like it. It's just like the water. That's the way the waves flow. <laughs> that's, that's the way the ball bounces. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just never realize how much our stories actually make a difference in someone's life. Like tonight mm -hmm. we have a commenter in the, in the, in the studio with us, uh, V Bruce. I'm, I'm guessing that he knows you or he might know me. I'm not sure. Um, but I really want to just thank somebody for opening up and sharing their stories. See, by you sharing your story tonight, he was able to share his story. And I did see the comment about your sister. Uh, if you want to reach out again, V. Bruce, after the show and that, we can all, all discuss and have a good conversation. Have a cup of tea all together. Uh, you know, it doesn't always have to be a podcast. You know, if you need to talk to Miss Liz, you can always reach out to me and I can sit and have a cup of tea with you. And we can have a one-on-one -on -one, because I do that as well. Uh, I really want to thank you, Wendy, for sharing your mom's story, for sharing your story, and for sharing a story for someone out there that needs a story. My uh, you know? So I want to wrap it up with your final words. So for the final words that you have for all the viewers out there tonight. I just want to thank you for bringing me on the show tonight to be able to give the updates of what's happening now in my life. Um, as I mentioned, I moved to Ontario, so I am looking um, for different companies uh, to collaborate with, like more schools, uh, maybe universities, um, group homes, um, different types of shelters to be able to get the books out to those in need um, so they can read them and maybe you know get some type of confidence or just in general to educate on on this crucial subject so i'm again i'm very very grateful and i just wanted to let everybody know that it doesn't matter as long as you're living it doesn't matter how we are all broken everybody will say oh you're broken you're broke everybody is broken and it doesn't matter if you're broken you are living you are human you deserve to be loved you deserve happiness and tranquility in your life so as long as you are breathing there's always room for change and for you to better yourself we all make mistakes we still do we're human that's what human is so i just want to let everybody know that you know it doesn't i never considered myself an author people keep asking me are you going to write another book you're going to write this you're going to write that and how easy it came to me who knows? I may, I may not. I'm not too sure, but my focus is really, really to try and get 
these books out so I can help as many people as possible while helping the shelters because each book I donate, whether it be the ebook or whether it be the soft covers, I'm donating $5 a book to the women's shelter. So we're able to help them, right? So, and I'm very open to collaborate, not just with Street Haven. I'm very open to collaborate with many different communities and I will still do the same $5 a book to any community or any company or, you know, that comes and would like to collaborate with me. I still do the same thing. It doesn't matter where you live. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. And it was a pleasure to see you after all these years. I know. Uh, you know it's great. always nice to catch up with my guests after a couple of years. And it's been three long years. For anybody who would like to know more about these tea times, check out Miss Liz's YouTube channel or my website at www.misslizesteatimes. I will be back tomorrow for a second rescheduled tea time this time with a Jacqueline Wales from Scotland. And we'll be talking about fearless. So we got some personal transformations going on this week and then we'll be back on thursday with three tea times uh all from the united states we have john callis coming in then we have radavia rome coming in and then we have bob Brill coming so there are going to be three different topics three different teas so tune in for that and again i want to thank everybody for tuning in and i will see everybody tomorrow at 2 p.m eastern standard time for the next rescheduled tea time